Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. Uh, so maybe I made a mistake by uh, choosing a new piece of software here because you guys have figured out that you can pick your own names on this uh, podcast recording, <laughs> the video podcast recording. So uh, I would like to just start off with the intro here. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Um, I'm joined by Thick Shoddy and Officer Rob. I myself and am Big Umami, and we are here far too deep in this quarantine to talk, believe it or not, about hockey. <laughs> uh, Officer Rob, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> uh Thick shoddy. Why two C's on thick? If you gotta ask, you can't afford it. <laughs> and that's been this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast. Uh, I'm sorry, and please stay safe. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm glad to see that we're all the same level of insane that we were coming into this. Um, but it is starting to get a little bit desperate. Brad, you're looking a little mangy over there. Why does it matter? I have... Outside of you two on a screen, I have seen one human being outside of this house in the last two and a half weeks. You know what this isolation is devastating for is dogs. Abby is just losing her damn mind because she's not allowed to say hi to any dog on walks or people like people who she knows want to pet her, but they're not doing it. And she doesn't want it. Like, obviously, we're not going to let her go there. She's devastated. She's looking at us with so much hate in her eyes. Poor kid. Dogs don't just just don't understand. Are you kidding me? This is the best time of Ollie and Demon's lives. They're like, you're all here to give me attention all day, every day, and they're going on like five times as many walks because all Mika wants to do is go outside, ride her bike, do this, X, Y, and Z. So it's like, eh, bring the dogs. Why not? Their old legs can barely keep up, but they're having fun with it. Ollie was supposed to be way past his uh life expectancy when we started this podcast yes boxers generally live eight to ten years old and ollie will be 13 in a few months 13 he's that guy's gonna live through a, a global pandemic he's gonna make it yep yeah he, yeah the absolutely the, is the tigers will not uh no tigers have tested positive for covid19 did you see that one tweet that was going around on Twitter? Someone said there's going to be an eighth episode of Tiger King. And then that was blow it saying Tigers at the Bronx who have contracted COVID. They're like, <laughs> spoilers. I honestly, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Um, I thought the link to that, there's going to be a new episode of Tiger King was going to lead straight to the picture of making the rounds on the internet lately. Just the guy sitting with no clothes on kind of hunched over i'm sure you guys both know yes. which one i'm talking about yeah yeah i was 100 percent certain that's what that was gonna be i was actually quite shocked that i didn't have that at first i was scared i'm like what am i scared of i'm not at work i'll open this right now ryan how do you feel being voted joe exotic's wife uh you know that would be an insult just with that but seeing how well those meth teeth worked on that photoshop picture of my face i was upset but not i couldn't argue with it <laughs> 
It did work the best. Uh, all right. On this uh, week's episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast, I say weeks, but this this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast, uh, we're going to be talking about a few things, um, the outlook for the Red Wings heading into next season. Um, and we're basing this off of a, a great article from Helene St. James that she put out this morning. Um, and then we have some more draft content before talking uh, just overtime. It might be a shorter episode, uh, but that's okay. That's going to happen here and there. Um, also, we are recording right after this a patreon exclusive episode uh, that will drop later in the week for the uh, patrons so uh, that's what we're going to be tackling today um, before we move forward i just want to pull that up here all right um, the red wings actually has there been hockey news i, I guess there was a, a general meeting with uh, the the heads of every uh, professional sports league and uh, the president and uh, there was a whole lot of nothing really that came out of it i know adam silver of the nba expressed an interest to like lead the charge so to say to like reopening when it's safe um, but there's been a lot of disagreement on when it's safe might be and then a whole lot more disagreement on when it's safe for fans might be i don't know i know i ask you guys this every single week but does it just not feel more and more unlikely that the season's going to come back if the NHL or pro sports were in any other country other than the United States, I would say it would come back. Yeah, yeah. The U.S., like, the numbers just aren't there. I don't know. I'm not an epidemiologist, but I'm just, it's not looking great. So we'll see, I guess. Um, there hasn't been any official word. Like, there's not been any kind of official planning or official deadline set out. When there were deadlines set out at the beginning, that kind of thing very quickly stopped. Not that the NHL has given up, but it's there's still so much, like, upward trajectory to go with how bad this is supposed to be getting before we can really start to look at that. So, you know, we get questions every week. It's like, what's your plan for the, the league coming back? Or what's the best way to do this? What's the best way to do that? And it's like, you know what? You, you can theorize a million different things, but right now the league isn't even at the point where it can even begin to start to execute those things. Like it's not there. They have a whole folder uh, or a full, whole drawer, I bet, full of plans as to how to roll out a comeback, whether it's, you know, with nobody in the arenas or um, neutral location or whatever you want to do. But yeah, it just feels like we're not even close. It sucks. I'm so bored. I'm less bored now. Uh, that I figured out how to put a Red Wings jersey um, on my Animal Crossing character. And Mike Gemignani, one of our listeners uh, and patrons, I believe, uh, made a Winged Wheel podcast shirt on there. <laughs> uh, but still incredibly bored. Evan, what have you been doing to keep yourself busy? That's what the people want to know. My front lawn is starting to look brutal because I've just been taking pitch marks out of it with my 60-degree wedge. On your front lawn? Yeah. I put a bucket out there and just hit my 60-degree wedge. Do you not have a backyard? Uh, Well, it backs onto a bit of a forest, so that would mean I'd have to dig through a forest to find my ball. Golf better. That's why I'm doing it on the front (laughs) lawn, so if I hit the house, I'm I'm dead. (laughs) Lawns are fine to demolish because they're the biggest waste of time and money in modern society. I swear to God, the amount of time I spend cutting it, seeding it, weeding it. I hate it. I hate it. If I had the money, I would dig up the entire damn thing and just put like a, a, I don't even know, anything that doesn't require that much maintenance. While I have uh, a large audience, if anyone has any lines on uh, hitting mats or hitting nets, 
please let me know because I cannot find one anywhere. Yeah, at home entertainment is incredibly difficult to find. Uh, there, you cannot find a single like at home free uh, like free weight like dumbbell anywhere right now. If you tried, I wouldn't. I wouldn't buy those. I I think you. I don't. I don't know. It's just not for me. But I have friends who are looking, and they're like the best we've been able to find is something ridiculous, like ten dollars a pound. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. Uh, best I found so far is Mika is my twelve rep max for bicep curls, and Crystal is my eight rep max for squats. Oh, I thought you were going to say Crystal's your eight rep max for bicep curls. I'm like, what? How big are your arms now? <laughs> they're getting smaller. It's a problem. Yeah. Oh, I've withered away. I am a shell of who I used to be, which is already a shell of who I used to be. I can run a little better than I used to, and I'm getting really good at push-ups. I can go till my shoulder literally just gives out at this point. How is your shoulder? It sucks still a lot. Yeah, well, can't go to the doctor, so. Nope. Uh, I can't right, even go so- to physio. <laughs> Uh, so this article in the Detroit Free Pre- uh, Free Press, we'll link it down below uh, from Helene St. James. Um, it had a really interesting outlook on every uh, player coming into next season on the Detroit Red Wings. Um, and I thought it was a pretty well done and it, and it stoked some interesting discussion. Some of them are quite obvious, but some of them are, um, I think, worth chatting about a little bit. Now, um, I don't think any of it's terribly controversial, but it's probably the best we have at like an honest outlook as to what next season might look like. So uh, we'll go through it and chat a little bit about what Helene wrote and um, we'll go from there. So she starts out, <laughs> she lists uh, the the player's um, position, either forward or defense, and then their name. At first, I thought she was giving them a letter grade because the first one I read was F, just an abdicator. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Both. It could be both. Um, so just an advocator, and she talked about obviously his his terrible output, blah blah blah, awful contract. We don't need to go on here for the millionth time and tell you just how bad just an advocator is. I will, however, make one point that I hadn't even noticed. He's had no points since October twenty third. Not a single point. Neither have I. Are you sure? In the NHL, yes, I'm quite sure. Oh, you did have your shoulder injury, yeah. My shoulder injury uh, is November 9th, so I probably actually do have more points in that time than he does. If Justin Abdelkader was a like, 10, 12, 15, 20-point player, he would still be... like his contract would still be just as bad. Like nobody would be happy about it. He wouldn't get any kind of like more grace from the fans. But the fact that he's had 22 points in his last 122 games and none since the end of last October. That is what makes her proposed scenario most likely in my head, which is uh, that he's waived and demoted to the AHL to free up a roster spot. And what do she, you guys make of that? She's in the know. So when Helene say, says anything, is generally not just an object, a pure guess. She usually tries to get some information behind it. So that's not likely coming out of nowhere. Now, again, roster construction, injuries, prospect development a lot could change the outlook between now and then um but it's the right move if that's what they do because again i've explained countless times on this podcast how much a waste of a time and money it would be to buy abdicator out and actually hurt the team more than just demoting him would so i've been banging this drum for the better part of two years now have just send him down so i'm certainly not going to argue against this yeah, the cap savings are what, like a million? Yeah, it's but not. 
But again, the fans need to get it straight for at least the next year or two. The, the Red Wings cap situation doesn't matter. They are not going to get close to it unless they weaponize it and take on some bad contracts. It, it is. I know we've spent the entire cap era worrying about every last dollar to the cap. It doesn't matter anymore. So yeah, the million saved is great. And if that allows us to take on like Louis Erickson's contract or something, amazing. Um, but unless we do something like that, it's it's not going to matter. Yeah, it's she made a, a a great point in the article, which is that this would essentially be for the roster spot. Like, if we're talking about Evgeny Svechnikov should have been in the NHL this year, or there should be no question about whether or not Zadina fits in the top six, let alone the lineup next year. Like, this is how you do it by making these decisions. And we know Eisman's not scared of these decisions. He waived. Jonathan Erickson, instead of letting him play out the last year of his contract, which which Ken Holland would have been more likely to do, um, he waived Madison Bowie. Obviously, neither of those players were claimed because of uh, their noted lack of being able to play defense, but that's neither here nor there. Just kidding. That's here and there. But again, uh, not to just kind of hit the same drum repeatedly, um, but Eisenman, I think... Like she she's hit the nail on the head and like what you said brad like she's in the know like she has a, a good thinking a good pulse on the team um i don't think anyone has as good of a pulse on this team since eisman's taken over he, he's he's pretty ironclad he's uh like fort knox in terms of information that said if you want people who can kind of get that sense like helene's up there so yeah i it's a big thing for the Red Wings, but it's a natural progression and i think we've just been so used to abdicator being here for so long like in the face of this awful awful contract and the lack of production seeing the words on the page kind of made me like jump for a second before i was like oh no that makes sense so it'll be a big that'll be a big day on twitter there's going to be a lot of people because i remember when erickson got waved people were like whoa yeah i guess it makes sense but still whoa don't forget eisenman bought out vinnie lecavalier yep Exactly. And that's like a ballsy move. That was one of the most ballsiest moves in the, the post-lockout era. Uh, Jonathan Bernier. This is an easy one. Fantastic year. He's the team's MVP. Um, he comes into next year as a starter. Hit the nail on the head. That's perfect. Um, Tyler Bertuzzi. Um, Will, I think we all agree, is likely going to come back with a long-term deal. Yep. I think that's going to be true. No idea what the term or dollars is going to be, but he'll be back and it'll be for a while. What if Tyler Bertuzzi holds out for big money? I don't think he will. I, I actually think he's more likely to to not do that. But what if he holds out for, say, like six and a half million? Trade him. He's a, people? He's a fantastic player, but you would get a good return on him but he's the type of great player that is actually replaceable. If the Red Wings lost a Larkin or a Mantha, they would not be able to replace them short of a giant horseshoe up their butt. Bertuzzi's type of uh, style you can replace, maybe not as effective as him, but if you get a similar caliber player for $2.5 million less a year, you do it. You you don't pay a guy like Tyler Bertuzzi six and a half by six. Um. I think you're you're completely correct in saying that, but I want to qualify with what you said for people who are confused. When you say Tyler Bertuzzi is replaceable, it's not easy to replace someone like yeah. that, but it's doable. Replacing someone like Mantha or Larkin is incredibly difficult, nigh on impossible. You have to just be lucky at the right time. Like you, you look for that 
air quotation grinder player that complements top players very well. Just just thinking of a couple off the top of my head around the successful teams: Patrick Hornfist, uh, Tom Wilson, um, Alex Kalor. They're they're a lot more common than people like to think because we love Tyler Bertuzzi so much. Now, that being said, I'm hoping we get him on a good contract and we don't go down this path because good teams need players like Tyler Bertuzzi, but you don't overpay for guys like Tyler Bertuzzi. Because, again, a good example might actually be Tom Wilson because I would argue Tom Wilson, for as big of a a D-bag as he can be, he's a more effective player than Tyler Bertuzzi and people when he got what 5.25 million per year people lost it with how, how much he got overpaid and now Red Wings fans around the social media world are saying oh yeah I'd give Tyler Bertuzzi five and a half six well if the rest of the hockey world thought that was an overpayment for Tom Wilson I can't sit here and say that wouldn't be an overpayment for Tyler Bertuzzi I'll eat crow in the Tom Wilson contract I saw that and I was like I don't really get that one that seems like too much to me but he's he's I, I admittedly didn't follow him for the second half of the season, but he came out really hot, and he showed that he has the ability to play up to that level. Oh, he's he, been great in that role. But again, if you plugged, uh, let's say, Tyler Bertuzzi into that exact spot, that he exact role that he's playing on Washington, I bet you Bertuzzi wouldn't be far behind. Um, Madison Bowie. Or he, she actually also talked about Alex Biega. That one's sorted. He has an extension through next season. Kind of the same thing that we've been saying. Guy works his ass off. Uh, amazing work ethic. Can actually be uh, pretty effective uh, defensively. His movement's really good. So offensively, he's not like a liability. I don't think he's exceptionally talented, but um, you notice him out there sometimes. And he's the perfect third pairing slash seventh defenseman. Yes. Uh, Madison Bowie. Brad, put your boxing gloves on. Uh, eight, eight by eight. Let's go. <laughs> He, he he'd be a cheap rfa he had 17 points um but that's because he virtually played no defense um at he all tried. and when he no no he played no defense and when he tried it was worse than when he wasn't even trying yeah that's fair. um i have i've tried so hard to find positive as positives in his defensive game and i can remember one singular play where he broke uh off a one-on-one or an almost breakaway um and that was the best defensive play i've seen him i saw him do all season um and it's sad that i remember that one single play more times than not it was an absolute abomination uh the second half of the season uh his defensive deficiencies were that was the polite way to put this less noticeable than the first half so yeah i'll agree with that i'll say there was progress on his defensive game uh throughout the season but i'll still argue the red wings need to keep him at least in the short term because they have almost no good offensive options from the blue line and it's the one thing he can do if they keep him in the short term i'm fine with it i I know i was pretty against that before but like you said his team doesn't have many other options. The fact that he did put up 17 points, like I, I, I can't take that away from him. And they weren't all unimpressive. Like a lot of them were, I was like, oh man, yeah, good for you, Madison. Like good plays. I forget um, what game it was, but he had that one goal where he stepped around uh, the forward in the offensive zone that was covering him, got tripped, and while falling down, buried. Oh yeah. Like, <laughs> like when what? I make clips of when I make clips of games, I delete most of them. Um, that's one of the ones I kept. 
because I remember I just keep watching. I'm like, I don't understand how this worked. He was falling down, like he was horizontal, and he scored that goal. It was actually really amazing. It was oh, that was Vegas. A, it was against Vegas. Was that a two goal game or two point game? I can't remember. I don't know if it was a two point game, but that was the tying goal in the third period against Vegas. I remember that now because Mantha scored the winner later that game. I tried to uh, caption each um, goal this season descriptively on Twitter just for people who weren't following the game so they know what would happening. But I had to fight so hard not to caption just caption that one. What? <laughs> <laughs> um, Helene said he's, he'll probably probably be back what might not last long. And the way I take that is it can mean a few different things. Uh, could get waived again. Could get traded for a team that needs some kind of cheap, low-risk offensive output. And by low risk, I mean they're not going to put him out in defensive situations or give him super sheltered minutes. Um, I don't know. It makes sense to me. We're getting to the point where... We might have to start thinking about who slots in and out, but with Trevor Daly leaving and and uh, Jonathan Erickson leaving and Danny DeKaiser inevitably getting injured again, yeah, why not? Is Mike Green on. leaving or gone yeah. already? Yeah. Speaking of Danny DeKaiser, um, had a great eight games this year. I look forward to a very solid twelve next year. I'm not sure he'll make it 12. Uh, I would love for him to because he looked really good in the season prior. He actually like looked to have a huge rebound year. Like he wouldn't have won most improved player, but he definitely had a noted improvement because he had this not inexplicable decline, but just I guess disappointing decline when you're like you your career seemed like it could have gone in a different trajectory, and here we are. Um, I don't know. I I think he's top four on this team in terms of like the defenseman that they have. I don't think he'd be a top four on every team in the league. Well, can we, but I, we can pretty reasonably guess the top four for next season already, right? Like yeah, Cider, Heronic, Nemeth, and Kaiser. Yeah. Heronic to Kaiser, Cider, Nemeth, the likely pairings. And then the bottom three would be some rotation of Chalosky, Biega, Bowie, and insert whoever here. Gustav Lindstrom. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. Which it's like he's complicated because I think he looked great towards the end of the year. Um, and again, that's all relative. Like he wasn't, you know, burning the place down. But compared to the rest of the team, like he looked really, really good. You need uh, to make sure you emphasize that compared to the rest of the team. Because I think Red Wings fans need to re- remember, compared to the rest of the NHL, Gustav Lindstrom isn't good. He's fine he's acceptable he is alex biega in just a different style he's that guy who there's nothing exciting about his game at all but he also doesn't screw up so you don't notice him on there he goes fills minutes and generally nothing happens when he's on the ice which is fine but you want play drivers out there you want guys he's he's literally the anti-madison bowie Everything happens when Bowie's on the ice, good and bad, mostly bad, but some good. Nothing happens with Lindstrom. So him and Christopher N, the conversations I hear about those two just give me an aneurysm because our bar has been set so low that these are the guys that we're praising. I'm going to disagree with you on Lindstrom. I think this is a guy who has a reasonable shot at being a four five six defenseman and i mean like a four five six defenseman on like a league average team um he's barely played and he's had a a funny like up and down trajectory in the nhl um 
or sorry, with his career leading up to the NHL, where before this last season in the A, we were expecting big things from him, and then in the AHL, he wasn't, he didn't exactly get off to a great start. Um, I don't know. I we saw him work on some things with his limited NHL time this year, and I saw some like improvements, and he played a steady game. Like, no, he's not crashing through doors, but I think he's been fine. Um, I don't think this is the ceiling of his, his play. I think he has a chance to be more than what a Biega is or a Bowie is in the lineup. I don't know. I, I could just be super hopeful, but I'm not. He's never going to be a top pairing guy. I don't think he'll ever be a top pairing guy. But you're the way you started that that uh, ramble, which was I agree with. He's definitely got room to grow, and that's a positive sign. But he could be a four to six guy on a league average team. That's where our standards are at right now. <laughs> yeah, like I, I understand the how bad that sounded, but let's not. <laughs> that's where we are, Brad. I don't know. We can't pretend we're not there. We're, we don't have a lot to offer to the fans in this time of quarantine, but the least we could do is just give them some realism. Um. All right, Christopher N. You, I, I agree I, completely with what you said about Christopher N. I, I repeat everything. Oh, he's he's good on faceoffs. He's good at kills penalties, and he's defensively reliable. He contributes nothing to the other end of the ring because apparently that end doesn't matter anymore. I watch. I go to the subreddit. I go to Twitter. I go anywhere. Red Wings fans are posting opinions. Oh, I like Christopher N. He's reliable. Do you know how easy? It is to replace Christopher N with a guy who might actually score five goals a year. Christopher N had what? Two, maybe three goals this year? Uh, Evan could score three goals in the NHL just by standing in front and having it bank in off of him. How does Christopher N not do this? I am sick and tired (laughs) of these fourth line guys who are they're good defensively, even though their metrics don't really show it, provide nothing offensively. And the fans are like, yeah, he's great. I love him. We got to get more of these guys. Remember when Luke Lendening scored 11 goals and it was a huge deal? Yeah, let me know when frigging Christopher N scores 11 goals. Look at every goddamn team in the league that is successful. Their fourth line contributes offense. Every one of them. Why do the Red Wings not care about this? (sighs) I'm sorry. I just, I can't. It's all I can read anymore. I don't care if they can play defense if they can't score. Oh, man. I'm nervous for the Adam Ernie discussion. Uh, Jonathan Erickson <laughs> Jonathan Erickson is uh, retiring, presumably. Uh, even if he doesn't, he's not going to get another contract. Um, what? For the sake really? Of- oh, yeah. I'm I, just for a second, I looked at you, and I was like, <laughs> um, Evan, do you have the world's loudest mechanical keyboard? Yes. <laughs> this is me just typing. I'll try and move okay. it away from my mic. Uh, Adam Ernie will be back with an extension is Helene's prediction here. Okay. Okay. I, I think you, he's an I, effective I, defender. Oh, no. Yeah, how's his offense? Yeah, but not good. I don't know. He had two goals and they came in the same goddamn game. So much for that expanded role providing offense. Now, Look, don't get there me wrong. Was- I know we have to bring back some of the Ernie's and ends of the world because our system is not deep enough to not have them in the lineup right now. I understand this is what comes with being with a bad team. So do not get me wrong. I'm not going to be upset if I see N back. I'm not going to be upset if I see Ernie back. I am going to be upset if I continue to see the fan base and media and reporters and everybody praise their play because 
They block shots and they kill penalties. You pay me $500,000 a year and I'll let Shea Weber blast a clapper off my ass nine times a game. <laughs> Fred, you, uh, you getting pretty bored there in quarantine? You have no idea. Oh, uh, boy. Uh, well, you, you said $500,000. He'll probably come in for about twice that at a million or something to that effect. So I don't think we need... I'm not going to get too upset about the earnings of the world. Good. Um, they- I had I I had hope based on what he said, like in his his play in the minors or juniors, that he could potentially have more to his offensive game. That very clearly was wishful thinking, um, like you eloquently mentioned. Pay him two million dollars a year. I don't care. We don't need the cap space. Him and his wife just had a child this season. Good. They need the money. Give it to him. I don't care. Just stop preaching like he's part of the solution. Who's preaching that he's part of the solution? Read anything on the internet. That's your first mistake, Brad. Yeah, you know what? You're right. This is my fault, actually. <laughs> I don't even read your tweets. I actually have a, a extension set up on my uh, web browser, and all of your tweets are just replaced with that picture of the dog that looks toasted that you always send. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, I don't think I've tweeted in like three weeks before today. Uh, Robbie Fabry, Robbie one for one Fabry. Um, I saw a great tweet as a reply. I can't remember what her handle was, and I'm so sorry. But she said uh, Robbie Fabry should change his uh, jersey number to 141 because the trade was one for one. And I was like, oh, that's clever. That's really good. Eleven would work. Yeah. All right. Uh, sorry, Philip. Back to uh, the projection is that he'll be back with a mid to long term extension. Um. If that extension comes in, like if, if this is like a four to six year extension, am I wrong in thinking that I wouldn't want it to be more than like, I'd want it to be in the range of like three and a half to four and a half million dollars. Yeah, that's about the range that you pay a guy who puts up a half point per game. And he was better than a half point per game. Um, Sample size, though, I wouldn't bet on him being a consistent 50 point pace player. I, I think he's a. 40 point player which is fine those are valuable players but yeah you don't pay them more than four four and a half mil um if he wants to go full eight years for whatever reason yeah you can pay him a little bit more because of the cost certainty but not by much evan how much would you what's your like ideal robbie fabry contract factor in his injury risk his age his performance with the red wings up until now he has a very difficult contract to figure out because of all those factors right like uh he's been hurt you know he's had when he's healthy he looks really good um and i would factor him to be about a half point per game maybe a little bit better it's hard to tell though like you just don't know what he has because of his sample size so you know i you either give him i think you could get him at four by for five years maybe i I don't know he's he's gonna be a really tough one to figure out he seems like a guy who cares a lot about the minutes that he played. That's why he wanted out of St. Louis because obviously it's a Stanley Cup champion roster. He he had a hard time cracking that roster, which is why the Red Wings got such insane value out of that trade. Um, but if he's told, like, hey, for the next four years at least, you're going to be playing top six minutes. If you're not playing with Larkin, you're going to be playing with guys like, you know, Zadina or Bertuzzi or, hey, even our second-line center, Valtteri Filippo. That was a joke, a sad one that I couldn't even laugh at. Um I think that would that would mean a lot to him, and and just the the certainty that of being on a roster. He's a guy who I could see coming in not at a huge discount, but at a reasonable rate. 
like I, I think he would appreciate the fact that this production is coming from the fact that the Red Wings took a gamble on him, and by took a gamble, I mean they gave up Jacob De La Rose. So, well, I'm, but, I'm sorry, Kara. Yeah the the big concern I have with Fabry, uh, injury history aside, is how much of his production was tied to his role this year? Because again, he was put in a very favorable position and he thrived in it. So all the power to him. But let's say the Red Wings for at least the next handful of years, keep the MLB line together. The second line right now, the only other real legitimate second line option in the system is Zadina. Nobody else is going to be ready this year unless the Red Wings happen to get Alexi Lafreniere. Yeah. Which means one of Zadina, Lafreniere, or Fabry is going to the third line. And that's three players all vying for number 11. Oh my god. <laughs> that is incredible. It's a good um, problem to have when it's those players. So we can have an 11, a 1.1 and a point 11. Yeah. We'll just move uh, the decimal around for them. But so in a perfect world in 2 to 3 years assuming the Red Wings get a Lafreniere or even a Lucas Raymond or a Tim Stutzla, guys who were expecting to be um not franchise altering but like top 6 wingers, do you want Fabry in the top six over Mantha, Bertuzzi, Zadina, Lafreniere? I don't. So is that a guy you want to be paying $4 million to is going to be the question. So it might, my ideal contract for Robbie Fabry right now would be something like a, a three by three and a half, three by four. I, I wouldn't go super long term on him, but if he wants to go five, six, seven years, cool, but I'm not paying him north of three and a half at that point. Yeah, something we have to consider is what we've been saying for the past couple of years about contracts is, yeah, this contract is worth like $5 million means this much of the cap now, but in a few years, like that's going to be way more affordable, so it'll get better as it ages. With the league losing maybe like tens, maybe hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue now because of COVID-19, we might be looking at a situation where the cap's going to flatline or decrease drastically for a while. Like, we don't know how this is going to play out. So I think every dollar counts. Not for the Red Wings. This is a... No, it's not a good situation for anyone. It's a it's a global tragedy. But still, for the Red Wings, before everything kind of went downhill, we said on an episode, the, the what the Red Wings want is not a high increase of the cap because it makes their cap space that much more valuable. Oh boy, is that the case now. I'm sure this isn't how they planned on getting here, but the Red Wings have one of the best cap positions in the league, and you bet Steve Eiserman's going to uh, capitalize on that. Teams are going to be hurting. Compliance buyouts might have to come, and even then, teams are going to be hurting. So you're going to have to be pinching every dollar. So that's just something to remember when we're talking contracts moving forward. Um, the Red Wings' second-line center, Valtteri Filppula, uh, 21 points, but for every point he had, he was on the ice for two even strength strength goals. He was minus 42 through 70 games. Um, signed through next season for $3 million. Uh, there's a note here that he could be traded at, traded at the deadline. I just don't see... Uh, I wouldn't say it's impossible, but I don't see a, a high you know, price of acquisition for him. I think the Eisenman would gladly take a fifth for him at the deadline next year. In all likelihood, yeah, that would be ideal. But again, getting back to a certain problem the Red Wings have, Valtteri Filppula is our second line center. If they trade him, oh boy, we're looking at 
Luke Glendening, who's more likely to be traded at the deadline. So we're looking at Darren Helm, who also is probably going to be traded at the deadline. They're going to have to Byfield first overall. They're going to have to keep one of those three centers because they won't have anyone else to parade out there. Well, they'll keep Sam Gagne. I, and, and they'll move him back to center. Sad as sad as it is to say, I think out of those three, as it is right now, Phil Plo would have the lowest trade value. So you'd almost need to hold him. Yeah, pretty much. Um, speaking of Sam Gagne, he spent six games with the Wings uh, before everything went downhill for the world, not him. Um, although it did go a little downhill for him when he had to eat a dasher off a hit from behind. Um, I don't know. I like him. I think he's a great guy. Um, he's loved everywhere he goes. I would love for the wings. If for the wings, like requisite amount of just like warm bodies that they need to put in the lineup. I'd like if one of them was Sam Gagne. I want more Sam Gagne's and less Christopher ends. Yeah. If you're going to be like a, an expendable asset over the long term in this entire process, at least be somewhat entertaining to watch or, so liked by the fans that they all relentlessly cheer for you. We're going to have a lot of bad hockey players on this team. And I'm not saying Sam Gagne is a bad hockey player, but he's far from great. But he can provide some offense, which the Red Wings didn't have. And you don't need him to kill penalties because the Red Wings have enough guys that can do that. Yeah, let's keep an asset that can play on the second power play unit. Uh, Luke Glendening, I think you you nailed this, Brad. He's going to be a high, um, the Red Wings probably most valuable trade deadline piece. Um, we've talked about him for the past few years. I think he still is valuable for for teams looking for effective depth in cup runs. Um, we saw him slot up and down the lineup last year, and he is not a top six player. But for someone who's not a top six player, he held his own pretty well. So um, there's a reason Luke Glendening's pretty well loved, and his deal is in effect like it, it doesn't matter for anyone's cap hit so um all right this next one we're gonna have just evan answer uh defenseman cody golubev who the red wings claimed off waivers on february 21st what should they do with them evan next <laughs> uh yeah helene projects that he's gone i agree i he was a body he was a warm body to allow players to stay in the ahl and play Two games played. Is he going to go down as the most memorable Red Wing of all time? Quite possibly. He's up there. Uh, Darren Helm. I'm not going to tackle this one because I don't want the Twitter mentions. So that's all. That's up to you two. Uh, what's that phrase we stole from Steve Dangle? Competent bum. Quint essential competent bum because he was actually good defensively this year. I know that got tossed around to a lot of Red Wings where it wasn't true for most of them, but for him it actually was. So he's valuable. I wager we get a third or a fourth round pick for him at the deadline and we don't have to pay his contract anymore. So that's going to be a win, win, win. Now, Jimmy Howards is one where um, Helene agrees that he's gone next season. Uh, before the end of the season, we said the end of the season, we said that he would be um, retiring, probably. The guy's just tired, and you can tell in his play that he's not able to move the way he was used to. He's not able to make the acrobatic saves or, or the lateral movement that he might have uh, been able to make before, which has contributed a lot to his uh, steep drop off in numbers. And it makes sense considering how much he's been battered over the years. Um, that said, uh, recently he came out and said he'd like to play another year, but it looks like everyone 
agrees that that won't be with Detroit. Even Helene St. James says that won't be with Detroit. So I know before we talked that it might be Detroit if there was no one else for Detroit to slot in. But if the word is that he won't be coming back, then it's not terribly surprising. I don't know. I'm still of the mind that if they bring him back, it's like, I know he won't be a good goalie for the Red Wings, but it's kind of a miracle that they even have one right now. Know how I was talking about how easy it is to replace depth forwards? Yeah. It's easy to replace backup goalies. Yeah. If they want to bring him back for the nostalgia and out of the respect for everything he's done for the organization, sure. I'm not super invested in the backup goalie position this coming season. Um, But if they're dead set on improving the position, honestly, it won't be that hard to do so. Uh, Dylan Larkin, her takeaway was the only thing I care about with him. Just give him the damn C. Name him captain before the start of next season. It ha- like it, it just has to happen at this point. I think it will. I think Eisman saying that they had a plan to um, name a captain before start of next season at the trade deadline presser was a good enough indication that it's going to happen. The only other acceptable player to get the C, if it's not Larkin, is if we win the draft lottery and they just give it to Lafreniere right away. Yeah. It, I'm willing to do whatever as long as we get Lafreniere. Um, and for those who asked this question uh brad was kidding if you want to find a gm less likely than steve eisman to give an 18 year old the c you'll you'll have a hard time doing it uh he understands what it's like to be a young captain and that's exactly why he hasn't given it to larkin yet uh gustav lindstrom i know we chatted about him before but there is another caveat to him that we didn't really touch on too much is that he's still uh waiver exempt which means that, yeah, he might deserve a spot in the Red Wings lineup, but depending on the roster situation, they might send him up and down as needed because it's risk-free. He will be the Red Wings yo-yo this season. The Anthony Mantha contract. What do? One year or a lot of years? Because he's two years away from unrestricted free agency, so they're not going to even touch that number so a two three four year deal is likely off the table um i don't know who would want to do a one-year deal more the team or mantha to prove that this would yeah and then the team might have to pay him i'm a big believer in anthony mantha so i don't want to give him another year to drive his price up so i would like to see a long-term deal now because we have no questions about him as a hockey player we know he's very good at the hockey. It's just the injuries that are scaring everybody off. He's young enough, healthy enough, and the injuries have been so varied that there's not one body part of his that we're certain is going to fall off anytime soon. Pay the man, get your cost certainty, get him cheaper. Patrick Nemeth? Yeah, we have him under contract still. Under contract. Um, I saw it could be a good fit with partner more at cider and it's it's jeff blashell we're talking about here um and there's no real certainty with the red wings defenseman because they're going to be crowded down the right hand side likely with with heronic and cider within the next couple of years both vying for that top pairing spot assuming they stay on their their proper sides um i don't think nemeth and cider like their play styles it doesn't strike me as like the most likely option what's the other option then ryan flip Heronic or cider to the wrong side <laughs> no they don't have that many they only have two impact right-handed shooting defensemen 
and two competent left-handed shooting defensemen. That's the top four. Make it work. If you want to put Sider with DeKaiser instead, sure. Why not? It doesn't matter. It's it's not good. Sider might be the best defenseman on this team in two years at 19 or 20 years old. Think about that. Sider might be the best defenseman on this team in 10 months. That's not true. That's a, that's a knock on uh, Philip Peronik. Yeah. Um, but still. Uh, you want to know what to do is you accelerate the development of Jared McIsaac and Gustav Lindstrom through... Wait, Lindstrom's left-handed, right? Nope, he's a righty. He's a righty. Ah, oh, shoot. Wow, they are crowded on the right side. Yeah, but then you like... Matt, the Norris Bowie, Trophy candidate, Madison, Madison Bowie, of course, so... Bowie, Biega, and Lindstrom. The bottom pairing right-handed shooting defenseman is just going to be guy every game. Doesn't matter which guy, just guy. You know, I, I might agree with your Gustav Lindstrom erasure in like eight months or a year, but for now, I'm going to keep fighting the good fight. Uh, Franz Nielsen, he's gone. He's gone in a compliance buyout if they have one, right? Uh, no, Abdelkader will be gone in a compliance buyout if they have one. The domino. Oh, sorry, I meant if they have two. If they have two, he's gone. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. The domino effect of one could be though that if they do get a compliance buyout, use it on Abdelkader. That Nielsen's the guy they bury in the minors. But again, they need bodies. So who the hell actually knows? But he is not an NHL caliber player anymore. Brendan Perlini. I mean, I good, like the guy. Good try. More, I like the guy more than his stats show. They. The one thing I didn't like about the article is they said uh, he was brought in to be given a chance in like a top six role to see if he can succeed as a scoring threat. Did he play a game in the top six? He was never given a chance. He had like three games where he played with Taro Hirose, and that was about the best chance he was given. So uh, he's more of a guy. I'd rather bring back Perlini than Ernie because to me, there's still a possibility of upside with Perlini. I wouldn't bet on it but it's there with Ernie. We know it isn't. So, I mean, if you need bodies, I'd rather guys like Perlini over Ernie and et cetera, just because if he scores 15 goals this year, he's what the fourth best forward on the team. Dimitro Timoshov. And I think this is a, an easy one as to what's going to happen. Yes. Bring him back. Absolutely. He looked great in his brief showing. He'll be the team's next, like, um, low cost experiment that has like a high like low risk high reward guy yeah he got him off waivers he won't be robbie fabry but he's a guy that could put up 30 to 35 on like a third line i I could see philip zadina the god yeah does he hit 20 goals in a full season absolutely does he hit 25 goals in a full season Eventually, yes. This season wouldn't bet on this it. upcoming season. No, no, you wouldn't bet on it. Wouldn't bet on it. I, I think for for everyone who's getting their hot takes ready, that's who you prepare for. Philip Zadina, twenty five goal season in his first full year. Uh, and then this is where things got really interesting. Is when Helene talked about uh, Jeff Blashill. Um, based on what Eisenman said at the deadline presser, it looked like he liked Blashill enough. And she thought he might actually be back. They might pick up his option. We don't know how the dynamics of that are going to work now, but still. Uh, but she made a note about Gallant 
uh, Gerard Gallant, who's a former Vegas coach, who when he was fired was a huge deal, um, and he's a prime candidate for a team like the Red Wings to pick up, and as well as Lane Lambert, uh, someone who we've talked about before, Eisenman's old uh, teammate, uh, who's the assistant coach now with the New York Islanders. Um, like Gallant is a demonstratedly excellent head coach, and Lambert's widely known as the guy who should be next in the NHL. So I don't know. What do you guys make of that? Unless this is your first time listening to the Winged Wheel podcast, I feel <laughs> like I don't need to reiterate my position on this. If this is your first time listening to the Winged Wheel podcast, uh, sorry, because we usually record this in person. Um, we do have a pandemic policy, though, for, for self-isolation for, for at least a couple of weeks before we get together again. Has anyone been outside? Like have, like outside into contact with the outside world, Brad. I, they can't. I, the I had to get groceries. Oh, the clock's reset. Evan, how about you? Yep, I went today. Oh God, guys! I have Said to you, eat. Homie, got to eat. <laughs> oh man, uh, Evan, what do you think? Black uh, show comes back or? Uh, I hate to say one way or the other because I feel like I'm gonna just jinx it. But it, it's significant the fact that this is being put out in the free press with someone with so much, like enough access, like Helene St. James. Like, I don't know, she's not exactly one to just stir the pot with nothing there, right? And it's not news. Like, none of this is complete a completely foreign concept. But it's just so hard to balance between like, yeah, this would make a lot of sense for, a lot of sense from a hockey standpoint. And well, Eisenman plays it super close to the chest, and he's only ever said things like, "It's not Blashill's fault. This team is total ass," which he's. Not said literally, but I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> run through his head. It could make us maybe a little less ass. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And from the interview we had with um, Ryan Stimson, the one thing that we asked him was, or one of the things that we asked him was, like, how much of an impact can a coach make? And it's not nothing. And there's not a lot of, like, reliable metrics on this. Like, yeah, you can definitely say that they're worth X amount of points per year, and it might just be a few wins. But if you're talking about those few wins being the wins that get you to the playoffs or the wins that put you into a uh, the second or third round of the Stanley Cup Finals, then those matter. And if you're you're talking about a coach being the difference between a bad team being in total shambles and being eliminated from the playoffs as early as February and that team possibly making some progress and in, in capitalizing on the development of young players then it, then it does matter so i don't know i'm not if they keep jeff blashill is it the end of the world no because same thing as cap like brad mentioned it doesn't matter for the next little while in my mind but i don't think that the people who are screaming from the shoot uh rooftops about code the coaching now are wrong like i think they're very right to want something different it matters ryan could you could you take 82 games of Philip Zadina in the bottom six? I can't. I don't think he'd be in the bottom six now. I, I, I think he's worked no his way up to options. <laughs> there's been no other options for like Perlini as well, though. And yet he's still in the bottom six. Yeah, no, I was so happy to see all those games Darren Helm got on the top line, right? You know, we just traded a pretty yeah. good prospect for Brendan Perlini. God forbid we give him a game with Larkin and Mantha or whoever. Oh, man. Oh, well. That's that. Um, I, I th really do think it's interesting that that coaching conversation is becoming a little bit more mainstream. Um, I'm always so nervous because this is such a dead time for anything hockey related in terms of news. But if there is 
any kind of or any team that's going to make like a random announcement in the middle of all of this it's eisman and the red wings it's going to happen at four in the morning and they're going to announce that they didn't pick up jeff blashill's uh next like last year option on his contract and gerard gallant is the new head coach and also lane lambert at the same time don't ask me how he's just waiting for the first distraction the uh, CNN is going to break news that they found a cure for COVID-19 and then Eisenman will drop that news three hours later. <laughs> Eisenman might actually cure it. Um, all right. We're going to head into our draft profile um, before heading into overtime. So what we will do is uh, we're going to be rotating between uh, players like up and down the lineup and this time we are picking someone who might be a little bit more familiar to a lot of our listeners who are in the Windsor or Detroit area. And we're going to be talking about centerman from the Windsor Spitfires, Jean-Luc Foodie. Uh, Brad, take us away with Jean-Luc Foodie. Jean-Luc Foodie. If Valtteri Filppula was a better skater. Um, Foodie's actually a really divisive prospect amongst the scouting world because he's one of these guys... All the talent is there, but he hasn't quite put it together. Much like his uh, older brother, Liam Foodie, he's an exceptional skater. Um, it's going to be a bit of an obscure reference, but I'm going to still make it just in case some of you uh, have watched him play. Jean-Luc Foodie reminds me a lot, and I mean a lot, of Jeremy Bracco, um, the kid in the Leaf system. He's a, an exceptional skater, exceptional playmaker, and not not a skater in the traditional just straight north-south speed. He's able, like Brocco and Jeff Skinner, to go um, tw- uh, what is it, 12 to 6 on his skates, just open them up and keep his body open while circling the offensive zone and darting in and out of traffic. Yeah, much like Valtteri Filippola, he seems to have an ab- almost at times unwillingness to shoot the puck. Um, looks for the pass way too often. Um, although he did straighten that out a bit this year. If you look at his rookie year numbers in the O uh, with Windsor versus this past season, the goal totals did go up and the assist numbers did drop a bit. So, And he did get a little better defensively. So there was some progress there for a player like him. That's a very, very good sign. Um, the question with Foodie is, is he going to put it all together and is it going to translate to a bigger stage because the skill is there the consistency and the reliability of his tools is not yeah what i've gathered is that he's a guy with uh, some really good skills foremost is skating um who has an incredible work ethic um i think we've seen that said about him at at all um a lot of different times throughout the past couple seasons um the thing is is he's far from a perfect player and i think you you labeled him pretty well divisive whenever you see a guy like that who's divisive i always it always just jumps out to me like nobody would be calling him divisive if he didn't have something that made him worth talking about which obviously foodie does he has a level of skill that makes him worth being in this you know top round top two round conversation is are the holes in his game fillable are are you able to put in stop gaps are you able to coach out bad habits and from what we've heard you are um he's a very coachable player who who wants to keep getting better so um one thing i know i think it was wheeler talked about is they're trying to get the way or uh, change the way he tries to develop the play down the ice because he's so fast um he often would try to just skate the puck into uh the proper play meanwhile the other team was able to shut him down but they're one thing they're trying to coach into him is you're this fast dish out the puck 
to a uh, different playmaker on your line and then fire down the ice to to remove the defense's ability to shut you out and then you get yourself back into a high danger area and boom you're part of the play again rather than just bringing the play you know out to the perimeter and, and fading away into nothing and if that's if he's the kind of player who can learn that kind of thing yeah he's absolutely worthy of a pick at um you know 30 31 32 in that range you know plus or minus 15 it's the draft there's no rules um you're talking about a guy that the red wings might pick yeah if, if they get a, a winger um with their top pick and they want a, another centerman who might pan out jean-luc foodie is absolutely an option there i don't think a primary option but i wouldn't be surprised to see him considered uh <laughs> brad the people who listen can't see you nod I wasn't planning on saying anything there, so <laughs> that's on you and Evan. That was just Evan, me politely nodding in agreement. Evan, what's your take on Windsor's player John McFoodie? Since, <laughs> since the, the warden is all over me. Yeah, I've sent Evan a million different texts. To <laughs> I Admittedly, we're getting used to this, and we're, we've been using some different software, and I'm changing the rules on the fly for these guys. So if uh, on the fly for these guys, so if they kill me, it's not their fault. I've annoyed them to death. I've annoyed them to my death. Sorry, Evan. Go ahead. Uh, well, I mean, once again, there's not much else to say. He's a good playmaking defense or for the centerman. <laughs> this is what happens when I get put on mute. Um, he's got elite level skating, uh, both north, south, and east, west um i guess the only knock that you guys didn't mention that i was reading about him is sometimes he doesn't really commit to anything in his own zone so instead of you know playing hard d or or committing to what he should be doing uh he kind of just floats a little bit um but i think his offensive upside will will uh have teams overlook that because i think that's something he can get coached out the uh the whole thing about coaching him out, I don't think that's going to be, or like being able to coach out those bad decisions. If he's demonstrated to coaches at this level, and especially to the Windsor Spitfires, who the Red Wings will be very familiar with, I think that carries a lot of weight. If his coach in Windsor is saying, oh yeah, absolutely, like this is a guy who who's willing to learn, that's going to carry a lot of weight with a, a guy like Steve Eisman, who wants 110% players. He's been on the record as saying, like, I want a guy who's going to work his damn ass off at all times. Like he wants that, like... It's not the same thing, but it's like Bill Belichick. Like he doesn't need you to be perfect. He just needs to give. He just needs you to give your best, and then he needs you to be perfect after. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, I don't know. Any other thoughts on him before we move over to Patreon? Okay, we're gonna head over to uh, overtime. Uh, starting with our Patreon supporters uh, who get their comments read out on air as our way of saying thank you for continuing to support the winged wheel podcast you guys are the reason why we can do things like continue the show uh remotely during a global pandemic uh joseph delia says and i believe this one is for you brad um he says only this one word onions i hate you all <laughs> uh brad what do you think of this pizza i got um the toppings on one of the pizza was pepperoni onions and tomato no no it was done <laughs> the second word didn't matter what you said after that. Uh, Kyle Sanders says, Howdy, boys. Things I've done to entertain myself since the self-isolation began. Played Modern Warfare 2 Remastered. Way too much chill. Not enough schoolwork. Walked the puppy. Made some impulse purchases online. Oh, I'm with you on that one. Began crocheting again. 
actually FaceTimed the grandparents, YouTube binges, finished the fourth rewatch of The Office, started The Wire. Anywho, here's the question of the day. What's your go-to joke? All of you clowns, not just Ryan. Oh, do I have a go-to joke? Evan, what's your go-to joke? Uh, I do not have one. You don't tell jokes. Evan doesn't tell jokes. No. I don't think I've heard Evan tell a joke in my entire time knowing him. I got a bunch that I, I can't say on here. Because um, huh. we're family friendly, Ryan. Um, okay, here's a good one. Little little long-winded, but I'll, I'll get through it really fast. So there's a child custody hearing, and they're trying to determine who to place the child with. Um, after a lot of arguing back and forth between the parents, the judge can't make up his mind. He's like, that's it. I've had enough. Bring the child into the back room with me. And the judge just gets in front of the child. He goes, okay, fine. I'm just going to ask, who do you want to live with? Do you want to live with your mom? The kid goes, no, 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 no. She beats me. She goes, okay. So you want to live with your dad? No, 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 no. He beats me too. Well, who do you want to live with? And the kid thinks about it for a sec and then goes, the Toronto Maple Leafs. And the judge goes, the Maple Leafs, why do you want to live with them? Oh, they never beat anybody. <laughs> so bad. Right? It, it's so bad, it's good. I love it. Um, this is my go-to joke since 11 seconds ago when I Googled it. What did the duck say when she bought lipstick? Put it on my bill. I'm sorry, everyone. Uh, moving along here. Garrett TV says, Hockey Amigos, what food item, if eaten by you, will indicate that this quarantine has gone too far? For me, it's mayo. If you ever see me eat, eating mayo and anything, that's basically an end-of-day scenario. Um, also, mad props on the Ryan Stimson interview. It was a neat perspective in ways I wouldn't have imagined. Keep your sticks on the ice and roll four socially distanced lines. Red, let's go Red Wings. Brad, we know your answer. No, I wouldn't eat onions and even the end of time. Do I want my last memory on Earth to be eating that garbage food? Uh, if I got so bored that I tried cilantro, I do this like every like couple of years. I pick up cilantro and think maybe it's all in my head and it's not actually a genetic thing. No, it is. It tastes like soap to me. Evan, is there a food that you hate? Hate? Yeah, I do not like pickled beets at all. Oh, so really? many people I know love pickled beets and they just gross me out. You're saying beans, right? Beets, B E A T S. Bees. Bees. <laughs> Chris Smith says, last episode, you guys were going over your favorite non-Red Wings broadcasters, and you mentioned Carolina. Uh, made me remember Trip Tracy's... Oh, I forgot about this. Trip Tracy's call from when Anthony Mantha viciously stood still and didn't even move while Trevor Van Riemsdyk was casually skating headfirst into his hip. If you haven't heard it, you should dig it up. It's worth a listen. That game had two of my favorite moments from this year uh, with that hit and when Bertuzzi was just skating around, pulling Trocek with him after, I think, Fabry and Mrazic ch- collision. Uh, I wanted to ask about Craig Button's prospect rankings and why they're so different from everyone else. A good example is with Hendricks Lapierre, Lapierre, who he has ranked ranked 10th. Nobody I've seen has him in their top 25. Maybe that's because of concussions or maybe it's not. But a few of his rankings just seemed way off from every other list. Well, scouting is purely subjective. It's it's what you see. And, uh, and I applaud for Craig for ignoring every other ranking and just doing his own thing. I mean, I massively disagreed with most of his list, but Hey, props to him for willing to go out on that limb. Lapierre though, I can understand because before his concussions, he was uh, damn near a unanimous top 10 ranked prospect, but he hasn't played since November. 
and with concussions, multiple concussions this year, I should mention, obviously that's going to throw up a whole bunch of red flags and scare teams off. So, yeah, I would not risk a top 10 pick on a guy that I'm not 100% sure is going to play more than one season in the NHL. But from a talent perspective, LaPierre would have been 5 to 15. So that's not super crazy as long as you're confident he'll play. Yeah, I don't... I'm not going to come out and blast Craig Button for having different rankings because I don't think anyone's objectively good at ranking prospects. I think it's hard beyond what anyone really gives it credit for. The closest you get is Bob McKenzie, and he's not ranking. He's getting a pulse from teams. So he's asking teams for information, which they're always uh, you know, pretty willing to give Bob McKenzie, but not many other people. Um, so even he's not doing rankings. He's giving you a pulse. Do I d- agree? No, I, I think a lot of those rankings are wildly off the board but that said like generates conversation it gets people thinking in different ways does he scout traditionally maybe not does he have biases almost definitely um does he do it intentionally to stoke conversation yeah probably but you know what at least it's good conversation like it doesn't hurt to have different rankings out there um i never get too upset by that i used to when people would have something way off the board but then you see things like what happened last draft and you're just like nobody can sit on their high horse and say no that is so impossible can never happen might be unlikely but we've seen crazier things uh, I also celebrated my birthday isolation style last week. I was born on April 1st, and after 30 years of being alive, I got my first birthday without some stupid prank being pulled. Best birthday ever. Man, that's sad. I would. I hate April Fool's Day. I think it's so annoying. I like a good joke, but I just that relies on people to be smart, and I just jokes are so stupid. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry your birthday's on April Fool's. <laughs> this, ne- <laughs> this next one's from... You know, Rowan messaged me before the podcast. He said, "Why did you change my Patreon name?" I was like, "No." He's like, "They changed it." Now, seeing his comment, I can understand why. Uh, this next comment is from that bitch Carol Baskin, <laughs> who says, "Hello there, cool cats and kittens. I've been hearing all sorts of crazy theories that I fed the season to the tigers and put it through the meat grinder. Well, that's just crazy. Had ah, totally crazy. The only way to kill a season would be via some sort of." bioterrorism whereby someone would release a deadly virus that spreads like wildfire crazy so which one of you will be the winner of the row exotic meth husband pool i keep trying to shut him down and he keeps up with his online nonsense it's clear he sees me uh he and others see me as a threat now that the regular season is over can we relax with some playoff hockey and wait um for the draft lottery in a few weeks Oh, how did the meetup go? I heard all your fans turned out for it. Yeah, they did. I think uh, all of our fans turned out for that meetup, even as is right now. Um, Jersey time. Of the 16 teams in the playoff picture as it currently stands, and assuming we could have a color versus color matchups, uh, matchup, what would you like to see in each conference? Two answers required, East versus East and West versus West. If you want an East versus West, then have at it. It's not like we don't have time to listen. Stay fresh and hygienic, cheese bags, and judge me by the enemies I have made. Sorry, color by color. Does that mean we have to pick two red teams to play against each other? or No, no. Like They, they can both wear their home jerseys if they want to. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, hmm. That's okay. I, I would want one of St. Louis's alternate jerseys against, hmm, I would say Vegas. 
Vegas is gray against like St. Louis's baby blue would be sweet for the West. Give me Vegas's gray against St. Louis's 90 throw, 90s throwbacks. Yep, that's also I would have said that one just as confidently. Um I don't know in the East. Like these are like all the cool jerseys in the East are out of the playoffs. I I'm still a huge fan. I think Pittsburgh has objectively one of the best jersey sets in the league. Uh, uh give me okay. You want real chaos and fun? Give me Philly's oranges versus Pittsburgh's yellows. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> let's just get crazy with it. All our colorblind listeners are like, oh come on, man. <laughs> Honestly, even us, that's gonna be hard. If you have a mildly average TV, that's gonna suck for you. <laughs> Uh, Haroon Khan says, hey, boys, do you think it makes sense uh, to trade for Andre Pilat in the offseason? The Bolts are in need of cap space, and it's not out of the realm of possibility to get a substantial return while helping them out. Yeah, we should take on bad contracts, but why not trade for him as he could be one of the best players on this team? Stay safe and let's go Red Wings. I'd rather get younger assets. So I'd rather take on a Louis Erickson to get a second round pick than just straight up take on an Andre Pilat. Is Pilat? Oh, they, oh, oh. You're talking about the assets, not Erickson. I was like, Erickson's older than Pilat, is he not? Louis Erickson? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he is, but yeah. uh, Pilat's a good player. Teams will value his services still. Louis Erickson's just to get his cap hit and contract away from Vancouver. Because, um, yeah, it would be great to have Pilat on the team. He'd definitely be an upgrade. Um, he'd be the immediate second-line center. Um but yeah, given where the Red Wings are right now, it's definitely not the worst way to spend the cap space, but I would rather get a bigger return on a worse player, if that makes sense. I don't think it's totally impossible for that to happen where it's like Tampa Bay sells him for way cheaper or even like it's just a cap dump. Ugh. I don't think it's likely. I think you'd have to, it'd be a pretty bad move from a GM to do it. And I don't think uh, Tampa Bay is the kind of team to make that decision. That said, I don't know. We don't know what's going to happen with the cap and we don't know how strapped teams are going to be. And we don't know if they're going to get compliance buyouts. So this might be a situation where if it's possible, it could be there. Um, all right, we're going to wrap up this uh, episode of the Winged Wheel podcast so we can go ahead and record this Patreon exclusive. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Oh, actually, you know what? I lied. We have time for a couple Reddit questions, uh, Reddit and Twitter questions. I'm sorry, guys. I, I got there way too soon. Evan already ran out the door, so um, yep. he always loves uh, ducking out a little bit right the moment he's allowed uh joe cool reed says hypothetical trade time would you as steve eisman be willing to trade the first overall to new jersey for picks three and ten no i wouldn't do three and ten no no lafreniere's too good if you're if you're talking first overall pick you they both picks have to be in the top five for me i, I mean this is essentially like people have to remember draft picks aren't guaranteed First overall hits 90% of the time and usually an impact player. Three and 10 could like be Jesse Pugliarvi and Michael Rasmussen. Again, both could be fine players, but Lafreniere's impact is going to be far greater than that. So you'd have to be pretty damn confident in your scouting team to hit a couple of home runs. Uh, one more Reddit question here. Um, TCE Guzzler says, what do you think of... Uh, what do you think about the idea of excluding the playoff teams from the lottery but compensating them with an extra compliance buyouts Uh, oh i i hate that playoff teams are not in the lottery no no no. he means like uh, i think he means like in the case of like an overall like the whole season's trash and like we have to find some different way of, of running the lottery is 
you take the teams that would have been in the playoffs presumably and exclude them from it oh i'd be fine with that but i think some of the teams who just missed the playoffs would be pissed because they're going to want the compliance buyout too so i i can't see a scenario where the compliance buyout's not all everybody or nobody um i'd be devastated if the red wings didn't get a compliance buyout I, there's no way I'd be happy with uh, like good teams getting one of the Red Wings not like that's taking away the one of the Red Wings best assets which is their cap space I don't know uh, alright time for a couple Twitter questions here um, <laughs> another one about Craig Button's rankings um, best way best way to set the draft order if the season is cancelled without teams like don't consider this with teams making or missing the playoffs and no playoff departures to set the lottery um what's the best way to set the draft order um reverse standings no it's not gonna change i don't see reality where the draft lottery isn't conducted as it already is it's just a matter of determining how they determine the standings who qualifies who doesn't i think they if you are if you're talking about how does the back half get set you take reverse order of standings with the um, 16 teams that are in a playoff spot for right now by points percentage, um, and then you do a second lottery with them. Like, not as, not to, you know, move up as much, but I don't know. Does, does that make sense? Like, don't give them a chance at top three, but set another lottery with them to, to decide their positioning. Lottery, point- lottery for yeah. 16th overall. Yeah. Yeah, why not? I don't care. Do what you want uh all right now we're going to wrap up uh this week's uh or this weekend episode of the wink wheel podcast we'd like to thank all of our listeners um our name level patrons terry brad smith andrew bohan scott martin kayla thompson jacob turner matt mckay b diz matthew m rice uh luke johnson ryan lewis langabeer clayton van dyken kaylin wood hassam alkasem arjun shanker charlie elkins hannah lee sean levine ashley van conant chris frank Connor Leighton, Danny Jr., Matthew Keeler, Craig Kibble, Simon Anderson, John Evans, Kwaz, Stan Olson. Thank you all so much. Uh, keep an eye out for the Patreon exclusive episode later this week, and we will see you back midweek. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.